Welcome, welcome to Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. This is our first show of 2015, and this is our third year running. So I am so, so, so excited that you people are joining us here tonight. Uh, my name is Teresa Reed. I am also known as the Tarot Lady. You can find me at www.thetarotlady.com. And my very awesome co-star, Bree Saucy. Bree, hey, what's up, girl? Hey, you guys. Hey, Teresa. Yay for year number three and for our first show of 2015. Thank you all so much for joining us on your Wednesday evening. We're very much looking forward to this show. And as most of you know, I am Brianna Saucy. You can find me at briannasaucy.com. And Brie, um, how did your last year go? I want to ask you that real quick before we start jamming on tonight's subject. How did 2014 go for you? Oh, my gosh. 2014 was just a really incredible year. There were some major like life decisions that were made. The business, we just, uh, my husband is coming on full-time this year, and mm-hmm. he is my CFO, among other things. And we just looked at the numbers, and we had over 30% growth. Wow. It was, as you would say, Teresa, it was off the hook. It was really, it's just been such a, such a blessing and such a really prosperous and and fecund year. And I'm so excited about 2015. What about you? How was your year last year? 2014 was really phenomenal. I had a lot of things that I did last year to really start moving my business in some different directions. You know, of course, I'm always, tarot is my number one thing because I just love Carol, that's why, duh, I'm the tarot lady. Uh, and I, I just love it. But um, I've also done things last year, like I created a whole new series of ebooks. Uh, I did the, conf- the, the first retreat, my uh, Soulful Proprietor Retreat, which you were one of our guest speakers at. And that, and that was, was so awesome. Yeah, so, so awesome. really I kind of like ventured off into a couple new things and tested new things and really saw a nice bump in my business. So 2014 has been very good for business and just very good for my family. Everyone's doing well. So I'm very pleased with where I'm at at the start of 2015. Yes, absolutely. Me too. And I think that our show for tonight is the perfect way to kick off 2015. Absolutely, because, you know, you get to a certain point in your business and we have to ask ourselves, do I stay where I'm at or do I grow? And I think for a lot of us, setting an intention for where we want to go is really important because I don't think too many of us want to remain stagnant. So uh, tonight our show is called Ready, Set, Grow. And what we're going to be talking about is how to grow your business in a smart way, but also in a way that is right for you. And this is really key, Bree. I don't know about you, but you know I've been in business a very long time, and my business has grown at a pace that has really worked for me. And a lot of that's because you know I really tune into what I want and where I want to go. Uh, so I don't always go along with necessarily traditional wisdom. And I'm quite aware of how much I can take on my capacity mm-hmm. and really what's important to me. And I'm not just talking important to me in, like, numbers, but important to me in how I'm going to serve people. So I do a lot of thinking every year about how it is that I want to grow. Do you find you do that too? Absolutely. You know, I have a little personal mantra that I started using oh, probably like two years ago that was, that is um, saying no helps me grow because, as mm. you know, I'm a Libra. I like to do everything. I like to be everywhere. I like, you know, I have a very hard time naturally saying no. And what I discovered is that, you know, there's always someone or some piece of advice. It's like grow your business in this way, grow your business by doing this, by offering that. Mm -hmm. And I really have had to get ruthless with saying no, you know, things that don't fit me, don't fit my clients, Mm -hmm. don't fit the way that I want to show up and serve getting very clear about what my no's are has been one of the best things I've done for my growth. And and the the more I get comfortable in that place, the more I grow in the right way and in the right direction that feels very sustainable and natural and delicious. So I think that that's 
so so critical because there's a lot of different ways you can grow your business and there's mm-hmm. a lot of different things you can do and you know it's it's all just noise unless you're really clear on on what is going to work for you mhm well that's why when we were coming up with the idea for the show there's only one person I even considered bringing on for this topic and tonight our show ready set growth we are bringing on Tara Gentili who is somebody that I have been following and she's one of the business one of the business experts out there that I actually really really listen to because she yes, is we love her <laughs> yes she's totally on it uh, I've been reading her newsletter and bought some of her products and everything has always been really top-notch and also what I love about Tara's work is that she does speak to um, entrepreneurs like us and people in our industry who are kind of marching to our own different drums but we all love business and I think that's really cool because there's not a lot of people that are speaking to uh, the nonconformists or the people who don't want to do business as usual. So do you want to give um, an introduction? So tell our audience who Tara Gentili is in case they don't know. I think everybody does know who she is, but just in case, Bree, let them know. Yes, yes, I think everybody does know who Tara is because she's fabulous and we love her and her website is wonderful and I know that I get so much out of it. So Tara Gentili, for those of you who are not in the know, let me educate you. She is a customer-obsessed business strategist who works with a global clientele on making a bigger impact with their businesses for less heartache. How beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. She's the creator of Kickstart Labs and co-commercial, as well as the author of best-selling ebooks such as The Art of Earning. That was my introduction to Tara, and she's incredible. So welcome to our show, Tara. We are so glad to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for that amazing introduction. <laughs> We are, we are it's, so all your, it's all your work. You made it so easy for us. You're just like, <laughs> she's awesome, and she's awesome, and more awesome here. <laughs> and we are dead serious when we said that you were the only person that we considered for this topic because it is one of the topics that you do talk a lot about uh, over at your blog and at your site, which, by the way, people, you can find our site at www.terragentile.com. And I want to spell that out, T A R A. G-E-N-T-I-L-E. So, Tara, the first thing that we really want to ask you is, and I think this is a question that a lot of people are probably asking themselves, is how do you know when it's time to expand and grow your business? Oh, man, that is a great question. Um, You know, I have a real growth mindset, so I think growth is kind of always on my radar. I think growth sometimes looks a little bit different. Uh, You know, we think about growing revenue all the time as business growth. Uh, But I think there's a lot of different other ways that you can grow your business as well. You can grow your business in terms of, you know, systems. So making sure things run without you so that you can take more time off. You can look at growth in terms of impact. How can you make a bigger impact in the world? How can you make a bigger impact to your individual clients or to your community? And so you can see growth that way. And so for me, I would say it's always time to look for growth. And that doesn't have to be something that causes you anxiety. It doesn't have to be something that causes you, you know, any kind of stress. It can be something that feels really natural. And I think it should be something that feels really fulfilling. Um, you know, I, I think a stagnant growth or stagnant growth in a business or a lack of growth in a business is a lot like um, that feeling we have when we're not, you know, when we're just not being super creative, you know, when we're, we're, we have a lack of creativity. Um, Businesses are there to grow. It's just that it doesn't have to look like this kind of stock market IPO kind of growth that we see as almost being cancerous in kind of the old economy model. And so, yeah, I I really do believe that growth is is part of the everyday process of business. It's just that growth doesn't have to look the way we don't want it to look. It can can look like something that we are directing that's coming through us, coming from us, and feels really aligned to what our purpose and what our vision is for our business. Mm Mm-hmm. 
You know, you mentioned something there about the old economy. Mm-hmm. Would you um, tell us what is the difference between the old economy and new economy in case our audience doesn't understand that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's lots of different ways to look at this. I think the easiest way to look at it is the old economy is very much based on uh, capital being concentrated in, uh, you know, among the few. You know, there were very few people who held great amounts of capital in terms of wealth, uh, in terms of real estate, in terms of human resources, and in terms of IP. And what we've seen, thanks to the internet and thanks to uh, really this dawn of the social era, is that wealth is now greatly distributed, which <laughs> I realize <laughs> is, a pro- is problematic when you're thinking about the income gap and thinking about how much money everyone has or doesn't have. Um, but wealth is and, and capital is something that uh, is not just related to money. So one thing that we all possess that's a great amount of uh, wealth and capital in the new economy is ideas, uh, influence, creativity. Those things are all actually um, hugely valuable and are sources of capital. You can start a business with your creativity, right? You can start a business with your idea. You can start a business with your influence. In the past, that wasn't the case. You needed real solid wealth, you know, traditional wealth to start a business. Now that's absolutely no longer the case, which means um, we have a lot more options to enter the market now. Uh, so our, our ability to start a business is uh, it's just really unparalleled in human history. <laughs> there is there is um, almost nothing standing in your way of putting yourself out there, hanging out your shingle, and starting to you know do you know trade in whatever it is that you're offering. Um, just as an example of this, uh, an example of how much uh, capital individuals with influence have. I actually got a tweet last night from uh, Lumia, which is a product of Microsoft. I got a tweet from their official Twitter uh, account with, you know, 150 some thousand followers with the little blue check mark, all that good stuff, like seriously legit, offering me and four of my friends a free phone in order to promote that, uh, to promote that phone, the Lumia. And yeah, why does Microsoft need me? And why does Microsoft need all the other female influencers that they were contacting that night? The reason is because I have capital they don't possess. And they're starting to wake up to that, which is super exciting. That's the new economy in a nutshell. I can be powerful and influential to a business like Microsoft that's been around for decades and holds billions of dollars in what we think of traditional capital. But my capital, my influence, my ideas, my impact for my community is valuable to them. That's the new economy. Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it especially because I think that I I so agree with you. I see so many people who have opened up new revenue streams for themselves simply by having an Etsy shop or having a having a website or just posting really good stuff on Twitter or Facebook. Um but it's especially true for people I think in the metaphysical uh, in metaphysical businesses, heart-centered businesses who the idea of business as usual which comes out of the old economy was really intimidating. You know, it kind of kind of stops you before you even get started. It feels like there's so much liberation now um, to just start to try. Yeah, absolutely. I like to think about it as as agency. We have not only are we liberated, but we have control. And mm-hmm. if we don't take that control, if we don't act on our own agency, uh, you know, to uh, and and take agency over our livelihoods. Um, we're missing out on something, and we're we're almost um, ignoring a responsibility that we have, I think, to our greater communities. I th- another thing to me that's really important about the new economy is this balance between individuality and community, and that we have a responsibility to become self-actualized um, individuals who do take agency over their livelihoods, who do take control of their own lives, 
who do really, um, you know, who look at, look to take care of themselves, right? And at the same time, our communities really benefit from that hyper self-actualized, uh, you know, uh, our communities benefit from having more self-actualized people in them, having more people who are taking control for themselves. And if we can network together as those individuals uh, then we're, our communities are really going to benefit. And so, you know, what all, all of this can sound a little individualistic, a little almost selfish, but really mm. it's about the good of the community as well. And I love thinking, of, thinking about and seeing that balance happening. Yeah, absolutely. So since we're talking about agency, one of the questions we, that we were talking about, you know, at the beginning of the show is, Knowing what the right way to grow is, and, and you talked about this as well, you just did, you know, that there's a lot of different ways to grow. Income, bottom line growth is one of many ways. And as an example, you know, a lot of business um, coaches, life coaches, talk about the six-figure, right? It's like the six-figure carrot that's dangled in front of everybody. Um, or passive income, making money um, without doing a lot of work or, or making money, you know, while you sleep is often what it's like packaged as. And can you talk to us a little bit about how we can define success on our own terms instead of getting hung up on these metrics that are out there that are kind of floating around that may or may not have any relevancy for our lives, our work, the the shape of things. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start off by saying that I think metrics are super important, and I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. agree with me. Um, and I think yeah, that absolutely. Often, yeah, and that often when we're talking about defining success on our own terms, that we we talk about it in almost kind of fluffy, <laughs> fluffy language that doesn't actually have a metric. Uh, associated with it. So I think the, the real goal here is identifying what metrics are important to you. And a lot of times for my clients, this doesn't actually have a lot to do with money. A lot of them want to, you know, maybe it's that they want to quit their job. Sure. Uh, for a lot of them, it's that they want their partners to quit their jobs. Uh, for other people, it's that they want to move to a new city or that they want to put themselves in, you know, the financial position to be able to have a baby. Um, lots and lots and lots of different options. Uh, but they're not all revenue driven or they're not all, you know, it's not the money that they're chasing. It's this vision that they're chasing. And I think that vision can be a metric, but you have to know what it is. So I think that's the first the first way that I think about defining success on your own terms is what does success actually look like for you? It doesn't have to look like six figures. It doesn't have to look like any amount of money. What it needs to look like is something that's meaningful, motivating, inspiring to you so that, you know, when things get tough in your business or when you're working that 12 hour day, because let's admit it, we all do it. Um, You know, even, even me, who's, you know, I talk all the time about working you know, a lot of times I can work a 20-hour week. Well, there are plenty of times I can't work a 20-hour week, mm-hmm, you know? Right. And having my, having my eye on, on whatever prizes that I'm working on at that point in time, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me motivated. So that's the first part of it. And then the second part of it, um, and, you know, Teresa, you mentioned that uh, I think you, that my work kind of resonates with a lot of nonconformists and people who don't want to do business as usual. And I recognized that I think fairly early on uh, and I've been working for quite a while in kind of creating a methodology for that almost so that you're not just doing business on your own terms or, or terms or you're not just non-conforming for non-conforming sake but mm-hmm. that you actually have a plan it's but it's a plan that works for you it's not based on someone else's success it's not based on what's worked for someone else who isn't you uh, it's your own plan. And how do you create that plan? What are the things that you need to be thinking about? And so uh, over the last six months or so, I've started really um, compiling that into what I'm calling quiet power strategy. And there are two parts of quiet power strategy that are directly related to this, this question of defining success on your own terms. And one of them is what do you want to create? And the other is how do you want to connect with others? Mm. What you want to create is super important because what you want to create, um, you know, it might not just be 
the product that you're making, whether it's a physical product or uh, a service or an information product, a digital product, it could be that you want to create an idea or that you want to create a movement or that you want to create a new community. And really nailing what that's going to look like for you or what you think it's going to look like for now, what you want to create right now, <laughs> because it doesn't have to be forever, um, is a really important way to define success. Because if you're working toward creating that, if you're seeing forward progress toward actually making that thing happen, then you're going to feel successful. You're going to feel like you're growing towards that vision. And that's a really important place to be as an entrepreneur. I think so often we feel like we're not making progress. We feel like we're just kind of spinning our wheels. And a lot of times that's because we haven't defined success and we haven't really defined what we want to create. You know, um, and and that that's incredibly frustrating. That's the heartache piece uh, that you mentioned uh, when you were introducing me. Spinning your wheels causes people a lot of heartache. And so if you can really get clear on what it is that you want to create, then you can help track your progress to making those things happen. Then the other piece of that is how do you want to connect with other people? And in many ways, that's kind of the definition of marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and we forget that we have choices in that realm because we look at the formulas that are out there. We look at the tactics that are out there. We look at um, you know, just all the ways that the, the gurus and the experts tell us that we need to do this or that. Uh, and we forget that what it's really about is connecting with people. And we all have different ways that we connect with others. We all have different uh, ways of showing up or reaching out that make us more compelling, that make us more effective, that make us just more fun to be around. <laughs> right. And if you can define those things for yourself, then you're going to know you're successful when you're doing those things. You can almost guarantee your success by creating those conditions, the conditions that are going to allow you to connect most effectively, most compellingly, and most efficiently with other people. And so really thinking about what those conditions are, how you're most persuasive, how you're most likely to cre create a deep, lasting connection with the people that you want to be reaching out for, that's going to give you, again, that sense of success, that understanding of success that you need to be showing up in your business on a day-to-day -day basis and to give your business direction. I love the part about connecting with others because, uh, Tara, I think me and Bree can both agree that a lot of like the type of work that people are doing in our line of work is really connecting and serving other people. You know, a lot of people, if you're coming to like a, a Reiki healer, for example, or if you're coming to a tarot reader, or if you're coming to a root worker, or if you're coming to an astrologer, people are coming because they do want to feel heard and seen and witnessed, and they want someone to really help them and to serve their needs. So for our type of work, it really is ultimately all about the connection. And uh, I can relate to that so well, because I have had clients in my life who've been with me for 25 years you know it's because we've built these relationships so i think that's a really important strategy and the idea of putting your connection with others at the forefront of your uh, goal setting for your growth i think that's really brilliant and something that it speaks to me and Bree, do you, what do you think do you think so too oh i i absolutely do i mean i i really love that model and it's it's the model that i you know i didn't know anything really about business when i started and you know i say that the reason that you know milagro roots llc has been successful and continues to be successful is because i treat every single one of my clients every single single one of my students like their family like their friends for me that's mm -hmm. that's the gold standard and it just it can't be any other way like i'm I'm so I, I want to know what's going on. I want to know how what we can do and how we can help to make it better to improve the situation. You know, and I really want to leave people feeling inspired. That's that's just, you know, that's the that's the nuts and bolts of everything that I create, everything I put out into the world. I want it to make people feel inspired. I want it to make them feel good. I want it to make them feel like there's opportunities for them to do whatever it is that they want to do. It's huge. Mm -hmm. Mhm. Mm so Tara, on that note then, what I want to what I want to ask you next. 
So let's say now we have our, our metric, and my metric is, of course, connecting with others. And that is what I want to use for my um, to grow my business this year to maybe make more connections, maybe to network more. So if that was my goal, what is your advice on setting goals or creating goals that are right for my business, which it sounds like this is kind of where we're going, but how we can set goals and how we can reach those goals. So I'm just asking, how do I set the goal now that I have an idea of what I want and how do I reach that goal? What is your process for that? Yeah, so my process is a little different, and <laughs> um, I hope I don't. I generally I scare people a little bit with my process, um, and that is that especially when growth is the goal, I uh, ask all of my clients to choose one goal for the next six to twelve months, mm-hmm. because I think focus breeds growth. Focus mm-hmm. also breeds connection, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. as business owners. Generally, what I see is that people are not focused enough (laughs) and that when you choose that one big goal that's going to keep you motivated, keep you inspired, keep you working on a day to day basis, even when it gets tough, that, um, you know, you've got that focus that's just really attractive, really compelling, really um, and, and, and that really works for you. Now, you don't stop at choosing one goal. And so, Teresa, if your goal was connecting with more people, uh, I'd first ask you to think about, okay, what does that really look like to you? Is, mm-hmm. there a, is there a particular success with connecting with people that you want to make as your, I call this your chief initiative? Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's you want to really put an emphasis on connecting with journalists this year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the, the pie-in-the-sky idea of what connecting with journalists looks like for you is getting a feature in um, yoga magazine, maybe, mm-hmm. or yoga journal. And um, so you make that your chief initiative. Now, the thing about it is um, the things that you have to do to connect with journalists and get that feature in yoga journal um, are things that are going to push your business forward regardless of whether you actually achieve that goal or not, which is my like number one rule of goal setting <laughs> is that if your goal, if getting to your goal isn't going to push your business forward, it's not the right goal. Or if, if, if not getting to your goal isn't going to push your business forward, then it's not the right goal, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So where we go from there is that once someone's named their chief initiative, then we look at what are all the conditions that need that are going to be in that business when they've reached that goal. So if your goal was getting a feature in Yoga Journal, some of those conditions might be that um, you know you've created um, you know you've created the space in your day to create extra content. You know, so you're not just blogging for yourself anymore, but you're regularly creating content that's going out into the rest of the world. Or maybe another part, another condition of that is that you really need to solidify your messaging so that every time you're connecting with someone new, connecting with a journalist or maybe someone who can connect you to a journalist, they're getting the same message from you every single time. Some other things that might happen might be, or, you know, if, if you imagine that yoga, yoga journal feature, some other things, some other conditions might be that you are making more money or that you do have more subscribers on your mailing list. Or maybe, um, and this might sound silly, but well, it probably won't sound silly to you guys because you get the integration of life and work and all that good stuff. But maybe you dress differently if you're appearing in the media all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe you structure mm-hmm. your day differently. Maybe you're traveling more. And so those conditions, once you name all of those, you can start looking for the ones that you can start implementing immediately. So if you're going to dress differently, if you're going to be in the media all the time, why not start putting that wardrobe together now so that every morning when you get dressed, you're embodying that goal? That's big. Then we break it down a little, a little bit further and we look for sub goals. What are, the, what are the littler goals that all filter under this yoga journal feature? One of those might be writing a book. Uh, because it's a lot easier to get featured if you're the author of some great new book than just because you're awesome. <laughs> so it could be something like that. It could be growing your mailing list. It could be launching a new program. It could be connecting with 
uh, 10 new journalists a month. It could be really specific things like that. Then you look at systems. What systems do you need to put in place to make those goals happen, those smaller goals happen? And then after you've figured out those systems, you, you start thinking about your team. How are you gonna plug your team into the systems, goals, and conditions that you've just laid out so that your team is also helping you work toward your chief initiative? And once you get all of those pieces together, I think you, that you can see how, how much more direction you can create in your business. And once you have that direction, once you have that focus, again, it's much easier to create momentum. It's much easier to feel like you're making forward progress because now you know how every little thing that you're doing, whether it's a single webinar to increase your subscriber list or a single pitch you're emailing out to a journalist, each one of those tiny little tasks is moving you closer and closer and closer to that big, awesome goal that you're so excited about. That really helps a lot. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot. And I, and I do like your um, your process because it, it does sound a little bit like uh, scary maybe, especially to people who – you know, the idea of putting together this plan and what if it doesn't work. And But the idea of it then growing you regardless is a great, great thing. And, and actually, I can say in my own business, sometimes I've set certain goals and it was the process of doing those goals that other things unfolded and I saw my business grow. So that makes total sense. Yeah, actually, and I can give you a, a great example of that from my own business. Several years ago, I was working on a book proposal and my essentially my chief initiative for that year was to get a book deal. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in order to get a book deal, so I started working on that in um, February, March of that year, and I wanted to get it done by December. I knew in order to get the deal, I needed to grow my mailing list to at least 5,000 subscribers. I knew I needed to rework my business model so that I had, you know, at least four to five hours a day to write or research or you know, interview people, travel. Um, and so I, I had to do all of these different things. Well, I finished the book proposal. I had the agent, didn't get the book deal. But the results of growing my mailing list quickly uh, and restructuring my business model, bringing new team members on board, that completely changed my business. So that in the first half of the next year, I, I was working about 20, 15 to 20 hours a week. I was working basically part-time, making the same amount of money, but I had the space to create the, the foundations of what is now my signature program, um, the thing that I'm most known for, and, uh, and I think the thing that helps people the most. So now I'm actually kind of glad I didn't reach that chief initiative, because if I would have reached that chief initiative, my business would look very different right now, and I don't know that it would, have, it would look different in a good way. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I, I think that that's so helpful, and I think it's really helpful for people who do tend to be more heart-centered, as many of our metaphysical business owners, our sacred artists um, tend to be, I, I really like how you analyze it into small, actionable pieces that flow, you know, one flows right from the other and into the next. There's a, there's a beautiful logic there, and I think that, that that can really keep you on track when you're feeling overwhelmed or you start to get distracted by the shiny thing. Because, you know, in business, especially when you're first starting out and you're wearing, like, all of the different hats, there's a lot of ways that you can get distracted. So I think that, that it needs to be rigorous, like you, like you said. Like, there's a real, you know, from here to here to here quality to what you laid out that is brilliant. Well, thank you. Thank you. I think the other important thing here, too, is that, um, you know, we're all really passionate people, and that can cause us to get really attached to outcomes. Um, but structuring your goal setting like that or structuring, you know, that one goal that way um, allows you to be both passionate about it and detached from it. And I think that's a really powerful place to be in your business, it's a powerful place to be as a business owner, just a human being, um, that the things that we're working toward, we can really, really want and still be detached from them. So then when things, you know, don't go your way or when something happens or when you just decide to change direction, you don't have that 
heartache again that uh, can really get people down and can create a lot of uh, stagnation in a business for a while. This is just a, it's a great way to organize things in a, in a way that you can stay passionate about it. You can stay inspired about it, um, but also ride the waves as they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you've really, you've taken us through your process and I, I really love it, and I hope that everybody's paying attention to it. Across the board, and this you may not be, this may not have an answer. This question may not have an answer. But across the board, is there something structural that you often see in businesses that is limiting growth, their growth? Or another way to put this is, how can you engineer a business to keep growing? Do you see a common mistake that people make that it's sort of like, ah, uh, you've capped your growth before you even gave it a chance? Absolutely. I am so glad you asked this question. <laughs> <laughs> so what I see happen, well, it's two things I see happen. Um, one of them I've talked quite a bit about before, and that's the micro-business earning plateau. Um, what happens in so many businesses is, they start off super excited and because they're super excited and they're super engaged, they get a lot of wins right away. And so it feels like growth is on an insane trajectory because it is. And the fact of the matter is it's easy to grow when you are growing from nothing. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. And there's only one way to go. And it's there's up. only one go- way to go. <laughs> exactly. And it feels so good. But then something happens. <laughs> You know, the same things that you've been doing all along start petering out and things mm-hmm. don't go the same way. And you hit this place where revenue plateaus, your energy plateaus are more likely it just completely dives. Um, you know, your customer base plateaus out. Everything just feels like you're spinning your wheels and you're not going anywhere. And um, in that phase is where a lot of people drop out. They close up shop because they don't know what's wrong. If everything to this point has worked well or has, you know, gotten you something, why is it not working now? And the reason it's not working now is because your business model is not built for success. It's not built for growth. It's not built to get you to where you actually want to be. And I said there's two parts to this. And the second part of this is that so often what I see happen with, with uh, especially, you know, digital entrepreneurs, but really any service-based businesses as well, although I, I suppose it works for physical businesses as well, they uh, create more products to make more money or they create more mm. offers to make more money. And the thing is more products don't equal more revenue. A better business model makes more revenue. You can offer three things and make more money than when you offer 10 things. And case in point, (laughs) my business (laughs) sells about, I I mean, really it sells about two and a half things. Because my eBooks, I I, uh, would guesstimate at this point that my next eBook will be a significant revenue stream this year. But I I haven't released an eBook in two years. My eBooks right now are not significant revenue streams. It's like, oh, isn't that cute? I made a sale. (laughs) The things that are significant revenue streams in my business, last year I had two and a half. This year I'll have the full three. Um, I offer a membership community. I offer a coaching program. And I offer a licensing program. So in other words, it's a, you know, train the coach program. So I coach, I train coaches on my system. Those are the three things I offer. Um, from 2013, or from, yeah, 2013's numbers with, uh, or growth from 2013 to 2014, I can speak English, <laughs> was 120% in my business. So three things, 120% growth. Wow. More rev- more offers does not equal more revenue. You need to have a business model that, that gets you where you want to go. And what a business model really is, all that it is, is a set of systems that work to sell and market each product. So each product in your model is essentially its own little system, its own little, like I, I like to think of it as, uh, as the human body. So our body is, it's, thing, you know, it's, it's one thing, 
But within our body, we have many different systems. We have an adrenal system. We have a circulatory system. We have a nervous system. And if any one of those systems is ill, we are ill. We don't feel good. Something doesn't feel right. Well, the same thing happens in your business. You want to optimize each of the systems around each of your offers. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you're going to optimize things, fewer is generally easier. <laughs> it's not harder to optimize 10 systems than it is three systems. So the different parts of the systems, um, I, won't, I won't get into all of them, but I'll, I'll talk about a few of them, the important ones. Um, the parts of those systems are your value proposition. In other words, what's the transformation that you're trying to create for your customer? Because value is always transformation. What's the, what's the kind of transformation you're trying to create for your customer? Who is that customer? What kind of relationship do you want to have with that customer? What's, what are the best channels for marketing and selling that product? And how much do you need to charge to make money on it? Uh, the other, and I'll mention one more aside right there before I stop talking about this or stop geeking out about this because that's really what I'm doing, <laughs> is that we need to remember that um, our time, what we pay ourselves is different than profit. And so this is something I work with clients a lot on when, I'm, when we're working on their business models is um, we think, okay, this is going to take me three hours to deliver. I charge $250 an hour. Therefore, it should be $750. Sure, that works, but it's not, uh, it's not growth pricing. To be able to really grow, you need to generate profit, which means your hourly rate is just your salary. That's just, that's just your income. So where are you going to create profit? Where is the profit going to come from? Um, sometimes that comes in the form of like leverage when we're selling one thing to many people. Other times it just comes from charging more than what you you want from a high paying job. Um, and then other times it's, you know, profit on physical goods. So like profit on top of materials, on top of your labor, on top of ad admin. But we have to figure out how profit works into our businesses or else you can't grow. And so every single system in your business needs to have profit incorporated into it. Um, so yeah, so business models and really thinking about optimizing each part of your business model so that you're not constantly create, trying to create more to earn more, but instead earning from what you've already created. You've already created amazing things. Let's figure out how to earn more from them. That's not saying that creating new things from time to time isn't a, an important part of a healthy business, but it's not the secret to growth. That's a really good thing to to um, to hear, and you know, a lot of times I think Tara, you know, for people like I, I, I don't know if I speak for Bree, but I certainly get what uh, I think Erica Learmark called it creative diarrhea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you get all these ideas, and I, I also have to say it's because of a Gemini, and I just can't seem to shut some of that stuff off. So how do you know when to filter out which shiny objects and new things you or maybe, um, you know, your clients want? How do you know which things to filter out, which are, are not going to be worth it? Yeah, so your chief initiative is a great uh, way to measure whether a shiny object uh, is something that you should be working on right now. Because sometimes shiny objects are great. I like shiny objects. <laughs> but, if, but if that shiny object isn't going to get me closer to my chief initiative, that one goal that I have for myself for the next 12 months, then I'm not going to do it. It doesn't make sense. Why would I waste time? Even if I love that idea, that's what Evernote is for. You stick that thing in your Evernote. <laughs> You'll come back to it if, if it's really that great or give it to somebody else. But if it's not going to help you get towards your chief initiative, why waste time on that? Why? Um, I feel like there was something else I wanted to say about that. What was it? Oh, I know what it was. I was going to tell you what my personal solution for shiny objects are, um, <laughs> which is that I know that I'm also prone to creative diarrhea. And chasing shiny objects or chasing ideas. I like to chase ideas. Ideas are kind of my thing. That's my jam. Um, so I look at, um, so I looked at my business model 
And like I said, it's I'm all about optimizing the systems in my model. So they, they work just really smoothly and they kind of take care of themselves. And I thought, okay, where can I put the shiny objects? Where can I put the ideas that I just can't let go? And uh, so that's really where Kickstart Labs came from, is if I'm going to be creating six different things a year, why would I want to launch six different things a year? Like, that's painful. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. And, it's, and I don't actually get that great of, uh, reap that great of rewards from it. So instead, I created this membership community where, you know, there's certain, there's certain things that they have access to all the time. They always have access to the forum. They always have access to two Q&A calls with me. They always have access to, you know, all the things that we've created before. But then every so often, I get an idea. I put a training together, and I share it with them. And I can get new members that way. I can keep old members happy. I keep the conversation flowing. Everyone feels really engaged and involved. And I get to follow my shiny objects. <laughs> um, so it works really well as part of my business model. But it can't be something that you just do willy-nilly. It either needs to fit your business model or it needs to fit your chief initiative, preferably both. Right on. That makes total, total sense. So I love it. And by the way, I like the way that you uh, roll with that. You still get to indulge that shiny object thing, but you're making it make sense. Yes. You built a smart container for it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So another part of that shiny object business, which I agree, I also love shiny objects. We know um, you like shiny I, things I've you, seen. You, you know that I do. You've seen. And uh, yeah. and I've definitely, um, in in years past, I've definitely got, like gotten on the launch train. You know, and by June it's like, what the hell is happening? Like, I've launched every month something. How am I still standing? Um, but part of the thing that often happens is you have clients who request specific things. So when is the best time to listen to your audience and when is not the best time to listen to your audience? I remember when I worked in retail, we had people, we owned a bookstore in San Francisco, and we had people come in all the time and tell us what our bookstore should and shouldn't uh, do, be, carry. And we got very good about, about saying, you know, you should go create that bookstore. That's not our bookstore, but you go do it. <laughs> we'll go there. So when do you listen to your people and when do you not? When, when do you need to really have, like, the blinders on and be 100% I am focused? Yeah, great question. Um, and I think the answer is an odd one in that you should always listen to your people, but never give them what they ask for. <laughs> mm, say more, Tara. Yes. Say more. <laughs> I, I just kind of came up with that little tweetable there. So f someone feel free to tweet that one. <laughs> always <listen to> them, <laughs> but never give them what they ask for. Um, so Steve Jobs, uh, you know, how can we get through a conversation about growth without Steve Jobs? So We can't. No. So Steve Jobs was so, 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 so good at this. He listened to people. He observed people. He was highly engaged with the customer base. But he didn't listen to what they asked for. He listened to the conversations they had with their families. They li he listened to the frustrations that they had with other technology. They he listened to, um, you know what, what kind of what was beneath the surface. He didn't listen for what they asked of him, and because of that, he was able to create drumroll the iPod. <laughs> no one was expecting the iPod. No one asked. For the iPod. But how did he communicate about the iPod? He said, this is 10,000 songs, or I guess at the time, I'm sorry, it was a thousand songs in your pocket. A thousand songs in your pocket. Maybe somebody asked for that. They, they probably asked for, or maybe they didn't even say it, but what they were struggling with was those cases of CDs we used to carry around. Can you even believe the amounts of CDs we used to carry around. Or that thing that sat on the visor of your car that I stuffed so many CDs into when well, I was 18 years old. Kara, you forget that uh, in my era, we also had 8-track tapes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> want to carry around an 8-track. <laughs> exactly. 
so he he did he listened to everything and everyone, but he never gave people what they asked for. What he gave them was something better. And so that's what I always strive to do with my business is I don't want to just give people what they ask for. I want to give them something better. So um, when I work with people in um, the quiet power, quiet power strategy program, which used to be 10,000 feet, we talk about value first, uh, function before format. And so what happens is that our customers ask us for format. They ask us for blue instead of red. They ask us for audio instead of video. And, but what they're really asking for is unspoken. And you have to observe, you have to perceive, you have to discern what they're really asking for so that you can create something that's better than what they're asking for. Um, and, you know, there's so many examples of that happening over and over again. Um, Henry Ford has the famous quote, and this is actually apparently not something Henry Ford said, but we're still just going to attribute it to Henry Ford, is that if, <laughs> uh, if he would have built what people asked for, he would have made a faster horse. But he didn't make a faster horse. He made a car. And so that's what I would challenge everyone to do, is if people are asking you for a faster horse, figure out what it is that they really want, and then build the car. That's amazing advice. <laughs> yes. Amazing. You know, you mentioned your choir power strategy, and we talked about that uh, earlier, too. Can you tell us a little bit more about this choir power strategy? Could you tell our audience a little bit about it? I would be happy to. So the deal is there are more opportunities, more experts, more gurus, more possibilities than we've ever had before. We live in a really overwhelming world. This world that's also so exciting is also a world that overwhelms us on a daily mm -hmm. basis. And because it overwhelms us, we have a really hard time figuring out what our own path is going to be. Uh, because we're, you know, we're influenced by this, we're influenced by that. Uh, and we have a deep desire to follow strong leadership. So quiet power strategy is about creating, it's about a methodology for creating your path so that you can be that strong leader, so that you can lead yourself and your business down the right for you path. And so we look at four different main ways to do that. What you want to create, how you want to connect with other people, who you want to create for, and how you want them to respond. And if you can create the, the answers and the vision for each of those four pieces of your strategic plan, then you can lead yourself and your business with whatever tactics either you find somewhere on the internet or that you create yourself. And I think to me, that's the really exciting part is that when you're really focused on a clear strategic plan that's focused on how you're most effective, most compelling, most efficient, then you can actually create the tactics and the formulas and the, the ways of working on a daily basis that get you closer to your goals instead of having to rely on other people's ideas or other people's quote-unquote wisdom. That's awesome. That's really, really brilliant advice. And you've mm -hmm. got a um, thing on your website. If people, if you go to her website, taragentilly.com, you can download the Quiet Power Strategy map, and it's totally free, and, and get on Tara's list. And I loved that map. Oh, I good. thought it was awesome. Yeah, Yay. I really enjoyed it. I went through the exercises on it, and uh, it really helped me because I've been really super busy creating all my plans for the year, and it was just a really great thing to go over. So I would highly recommend everybody who's listening to go to Tara's site and grab your copy of that. I think you will find it's going to be a very helpful tool to start really taking your business from where it is now into maybe something bigger or something juicy or something that really lights you up and really makes your clients excited to do business with you. I, I thought it was great, Tara. Thank you so much. That really means a lot to me. And we're, we're getting right down to the last couple minutes. Bree, do we have any other questions? I think the only question that we have left is what is the piece of advice that you would most like to give our audience? So entrepreneurs who tend to be 
they're sensitive, they're intuitive, they're heart-centered. What, what is the piece of advice they really need to hear? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think that I'm going to go with the piece of advice that I shared on my blog today, which is that, you know, if something is making you feel uncomfortable in your business, if something's really stressing you out, causing you a great amount of anxiety, if something is it's just not sitting right with you, like you're following the, you're following the directions that someone else gave you and it's just not sitting right with you, there's a reason for that. Yes, it's misaligned with your goals, your values, your guiding principles, but it's also not going to be highly effective for you. And I think that um, instead of trying to just work through it, definitely instead of that, instead of trying to forget about it, like, well, I, you know, everyone else does that or that's, I know that's what you're supposed to do, but I, I, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. Come up with a strategic workaround. Figure out how you're going to approach the problem that you're trying to fix or the, the goal that you're trying to reach. Not the way someone else did it, but in a strategic way for you. Don't ignore the problem. Don't hope it goes away. Really tackle it head on with what you want to create and how you want to connect with others and get yourself from where you are to where you want to be, but following your own path. Um, don't just ignore the things that keep you up at night, the things that cause you stress, the things that just don't sit right with you. Mm. That's really good advice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so good. So, Tara, could you tell people where they can find you and where they can work with you and some of the things that you've got brewing for them? Yeah, absolutely. So TaraGentilly.com is definitely the best place to find me, and the Quiet Power Strategy Map is there. Um, and then our, the book, the Quiet Power Strategy book is coming out on February 10th, which I'm super excited about. So we are in the final stages of editing it to everything together and putting it all together so that I can get it up and ready for people to, uh, read and enjoy, hopefully. And, uh, and then a couple weeks after that, we're going to be launching the Quiet Power Strategy program again, which as I mentioned was, is the program that we've been running for two years called 10,000 Feet, but we're giving it kind of a facelift and some new focus and, and context. And I'm, I'm really excited about those changes. Uh, so you can also find all this good stuff at quietpowerstrategy.com and you can download a sneak peek of the book there. You can find out more about the program there, um, and all sorts of other good stuff. Well, I can't wait for the book because I've read all of your stuff, and I am totally, of course, um, sure that it's going to be something that I will definitely read cover to cover and use for my business. So I would urge everybody who's listening tonight or listening on the recording to absolutely make sure in February you're keeping an eye out for it because Tara puts out really good, useful stuff. Well, thank you. So, Tara, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, we really want to thank you for taking time. We know how busy you are, but taking time to talk with our audience tonight. This is such a such a great topic, and you're such the right person for this, so thank you so much. Thank you. I had a blast. You guys asked awesome questions, and I love your audience. Oh, yay. Uh, thank you so much. It was really, really great. We really appreciate it. Thanks. And Bree, do you want to let everybody know about our show next month? We've got we've got a. I think the show next month is perfect to piggyback on the show we did today. Yeah, it it absolutely is. So next month, you know, Tara has given us so many great things to think about and to work with. And one of the questions that I know will come up for everyone is, okay, how do I organize this? Um, what is Evernote? Maybe some of you are asking what Evernote is. If you're asking that question, I'm so sorry. It's awesome. <laughs> go go get it right now. Um, but we are going to talk with Michelle Nicolaisen, and our show is All Systems Go. So Michelle, really, that is her work. She is all about learning, curating, and critiquing the various uh, systems out there. And as you know, like talking about the fact that we live in a loud world, there are so many different kinds of systems and they all do really different things. So she's going to help us make heads and tails of that. It's going to be really, really useful and practical given what we discussed tonight. So you'll be able to then have maybe a couple of apps, maybe a couple of programs on your computer that are really going to help you keep that focus that Tara talked about throughout this evening. 
Absolutely. You know, if you have a goal, but then you have the right containers to help that goal uh, function properly, it's going to be a lot easier to reach those goals. So it's going to be a great show. It's February 25th at 8 p.m. And once again, guys, uh, I want to thank my audience for listening tonight. And Tara Gentili, you can find her at taragentili.com. And I am Teresa Reed, and you guys can find me at www.thetarolady.com. And Bree, where can they find you? Thank you all so much, everyone, for joining in tonight. I'm Brianna Saucy, and you can find me at briannasaucy.com. Well, I hope everybody has a great night tonight. And once again, thank you guys, and thank you, Bree, for being such a great co-host. Thank you, Teresa, for putting it together. It rocked as always. And thank you, Tara. It was great to have you. Good night. Good night, everyone.